As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcoming everybody back. This is episode 13 of Mavs Sports Take. We are back at you all live on Twitter, on Facebook, and on YouTube. Apparently, David has a Facebook. I thought that was extinct. But whether you're tuning in to the 13th time to Mavs Sports Take or it's your first time with us, we want to thank you all, of course, so much for taking this time with us on this Tuesday evening, 8.36 Eastern Time currently. Last week, David and I brought you an interview with Mr. Farhan Lalji um, of TSN. Tonight, as the NFL trade trade deadline has been upon us and is now past, we will be discussing some of the hot topics, doing some picks for the week, as we always do. Uh, Not much recapping tonight. We're moving into the future here. Happy Election Day also to everybody out there. I hope you all got out and you know did that service today very important obviously i'm sure we'll touch on that at some point uh david turner happy election day to you my friend how are we doing tonight as we welcome in it looks like 40 people already into our live tonight well thank you all for showing up i appreciate you dropping by and giving us your evening Uh, maybe you're trying to escape the uh election talk had enough of it and now you're here but uh like ryan said we hope everybody got out there and voted did their American duty to represent themselves, their family, and everybody in the right, proper way to, you know, cast their vote and uh, elect our next leader. So, and leaders, I should say, from school boards on up out here in Arizona. So, you know, I hope everybody went and did their duty. And now let's get into the let's get into the football. Let's get away from the election for a little while. Absolutely, and we are very excited to be talking about. Um, you know, obviously with the trading deadline upon us, there was a few moves, uh, not as many as I think as some people may have, been, may have anticipated. Some people thought it might be down with, you know, all the restrictions the coronavirus has brought. And, uh, you know, obviously the the playoff format 
got bumped up for that extra team. So I, I think some teams probably think they're still in the hunt, uh, maybe despite some early season struggles. So, David, we're going to take a look tonight talking about the trade deadline. We're going to do some pickums. We're going to take questions all the way through. We usually do a question and answer mailbag at the end, but we're live here. So anybody wants to throw in a, a, a comment to us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever, send us. We'll answer anything that you want to talk about. You want to talk about NFL draft? We got you. NFL, college football, scouting experience with an 18-year scouting vet here. We're going to talk about some food like we did last week. We're going to talk about holidays. We talked about Halloween last week in our Halloween special. Well, we do it all here. So throw us a question at any point. We thank you all again for being with us tonight. Before we begin, a word from our sponsors. Are you curious where the fullback went in the NFL and why teams with fullbacks are actually more complete, well-rounded teams? Do you want to learn why the tight end is the quarterback's best friend? Like Brady and Gronk, Mahomes and Kelsey, Montana and Clark. Join us this Friday to learn why fullbacks and tight ends are key to very efficient and effective offenses across the NFL. www.nfl, um, sorry, www.nfldraftbible.com to register today. Friday night scout school season pass is the best. Bob purchase there, but if you just want to come check out tight ends and fullbacks, we'll be there nine o'clock Eastern time. David, first take we're going through. We're going through some of the big headliners of the trade deadline. I mean, of the uh, free agents uh, trade deadline. I had it right the first time. I changed it up. Chargers trading Desmond King, who was an All Pro uh, select selection in 2018, defensive back who was uh, University of Iowa has been a really successful football player during his career. To the ten- Tennessee Titans, 2018 All-Pro traded for a 2021 sixth-round selection. David, I'm, I, I got to say, man, I saw this one and I was like, and the first thing, right, because there have been rumors about Desmond King being traded, so that wasn't a big thing. I was like, okay, maybe that'll happen. Sixth-round pick? Sixth-round pick for one of the premier nickelbacks in the, in, the, in the entire NFL, and he's still young? Like, what are we doing here? What, what was your reaction when you first heard this one? Well, when I was looking at it again, I thought the the price was low, but if that's all they could get for him, and you know the kid really was like miserable at the place, you got to get what you can and move on. Um, you know, I, I I think the market right now you're seeing a correction a little bit because people that might have wanted to make a move and do spend some money and go get um, a young player here, they didn't pull the trigger because the compensation wasn't uh what they're asking too high i mean we'll get into this a little later but what teams wanted they were asking a little too much for and uh they you know the teams that might have like a green bay or somebody that's trying to make a run at something uh they they didn't want to pay a second round pick or a third round pick or even a first round pick for a legitimate young player they preferred to sit wait have the cap space for next year Looking forward, the cap might not be as much as it was, and they, you know, there could be some corrections coming. So I think a lot of people, where I thought they would make moves and go forward, decide to sit tight and hold tight this year, which is surprising me. I really thought there would be some rolling the dice here going into uh, going into this uh, the playoff hunt coming up here, second half of the season. Yeah, well, one thing that I thought was an added layer, David, and I mentioned a little bit in my intro is. So with the, the playoff expansion, right, teams now, there's that extra playoff spot in each conference. 
Do you think the fact that some teams might still think they're in the hunt, even if they had some early struggles, might be might have contributed to maybe teams kind of staying packed with what they have and maybe not being sellers at, at the deadline? You know, even if you got a shot, or you know, if you're an outside shot to make the playoffs, you have to do some self, you know, some self scouting and be like, truly, how how far can we go right now in the playoffs? Whereas if we get our right price tag, we can trade a young guy, get some draft capital for next year. Maybe we make the playoffs this year, or maybe we miss it. But really, what's how much how much is there for us on this run? You know what I'm saying? So you know, if you're one of these back end teams with uh, the NFC or something and you're thinking maybe you'll have a stretch run, you know, again, who are you looking at, you know, in this scenario? Um, Let's do this. So, I mean, are you the Bears? And you're like, hey, I can, you know, I don't want to trade anybody because I'm going to be in the hunt. Okay, that makes sense. You know, you're the Bears, you're the second in your division, and and you, you could get a wild card real easy, you know. But if you're a guy, if you're a team like the Lions, and you're a couple couple games out, and you're like, well, I'll, if we win the rest of our games and we and we do things, we take a run here. Well, no, that made no sense. You should have traded some people if they wanted them and collected draft capital for next year. You know, if you're looking at like the Saints, they're obviously trying to make a run. So they're they're you know they went out, made some trades, brought some people in, trying to make the run. Um, and, and again, it doesn't make sense. And you got the Rams and. Uh, Cardinals out west. So I mean the NFC is packed with people. You know, they I think the NFC was packed with buyers today, not sellers. Whereas this AFC might have been packed with sellers, you know, like people that can get rid of some cap room, move up in the draft, collect some gap, you know, unless you're the NFC North, you know, and the Colts and Titans, I think you you could have been sellers. Everybody else in this whole division could have been sellers. Yeah, absolutely. And I really want to dive into this Desmond King uh, conversation a little bit. Before I do, I want to thank everybody that's following along with us again. We're live right now. We've got 100 people in the in the live right now with us. We're taking questions all night. We have one on deck in a second. So throw in questions, anything, NFL draft, NFL, college football, anything at all. You want to know what David had for dinner? Throw it in the chat. We can answer these questions for you. Uh, David, Desmond King, right? So the Titans – Made that trade. One thing that really – so Tennessee's defense has not been great so far this season. And looking back to the 2019 success of that unit, I was looking and I was like, this makes a ton of sense because what did they have that maybe – because Nickelback's not a, a – a, I don't want to say important because it's very important. It's not a highly premier position in the sense of people don't talk about it maybe as much as they should despite how important it is in the game – they lost Logan Ryan this offseason, who was an excellent performer in 2019. So now they're looking and they're like, was that the common denominator? Were we missing the flexibility of this nickel in our defense? Maybe that's just so important. So they go out and they get a young guy like Desmond King. And we have our first question of the night. Alec threw into the chat. Speaking of Desmond King, why is the nickelback position so undervalued in the league with the rise of the wide receiver? And there's a great conversation we go off of that. But my question is, David, is it is it undervalued for the Tennessee Titans? Because it seems like they value the position very highly to go out and get a guy after they maybe found out that hey maybe let Logan Ryan go was the wrong move here. Well, again, they, and again, I'm not trying to undervalue this, but they gave up a six round pick, you know, next year. It's not like they gave up a second or a third. So I think they got a heck of a deal on a heck of a player. 
And, you know, I think in time, in immediate impact, this might be the best trade of the day or the week even to have this guy interject, uh, injected into their defense. The scheme that they play there, as you alluded to, uh, in Tennessee, it does, the, the nickel position is very key to how they, they like to apply pressure. They like to blitz. They like to get people, um, you know, get their rushers time to get to the quarterback which the better cover guys you have, the better chance you have of getting to the quarterback, getting those coverage sacks, letting your guys work off contact, all that fun stuff. The scheme here for Tennessee fits this guy in Desmond King. And I think, like you said, without Logan so far this year, they struggled in coverage. Their pass rush wasn't getting home as much. So now they're like, hey, it's going to cost us a six-round pick. Could we find a guy like Desmond in the sixth round coming up? No. And Desmond's still on his rookie contract, so it's not hitting the cap too hard. This is where Jay Robert and, and those guys in Tennessee do a great job to find the values here at the de- trade deadline and find the values even deep in the draft. I really, I've liked what, you know, Jay Robert's been doing there since he got the GM position. And I think here's another example of him using every tool available to him to bring in, uh, an impact player right away for that, for that roster. Mm-hmm. Hey, Alec, thank you so much for the question. Again, anybody wants to throw in a question, we'll be taking them all night. David, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick here. We're going to move on to the next topic. Tennessee Titans, pretender or contender? I've picked the Colts coming out of that division. You know, I just think the Colts, and I think they're going to hit stride here. I think they're they're the team to beat in that division. Uh, I like the Tennessee Titans. I'm just not sold on the Tennessee Titans right now. I think they're the wild card team when it all said and done. Indianapolis gets in as a division leader or winner. And then, uh, you know, but the Tennessee Titans being the the second team, you know, might have the harder road when you're looking at who they'll match up against from the NFC North uh, or AFC North, excuse me, between um, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Another another move that we saw, you mentioned that the, the New Orleans Saints are – very, you know, very easy to see that they're in win now mode. So they made a trade. They traded for linebacker Quan Alexander from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, traded Kiko Alonso in a conditional fifth round pick to make that that um, that move f- go through. They will be absorbing the 49ers speaking 6.9 million in dead cap in 2021, but saving in the long run 8.6 million dollars by doing this trade. Saints get a, a guy with a high ankle sprain, but investing to obviously make a run here. Quan Alexander was kind of stuck in a position where they have Fred Warner, they have Dre Greenlaw. That inside linebacker position is very talented. And Quan Alexander, after signing a huge deal a couple years ago, coming over from Tampa Bay, it, it just made sense to, to get that contract off your books for the long term. And then obviously the New Orleans Saints are loading up to potentially make a, a trade uh, a run here to maybe end Drew Brees' career. Hopefully Michael Thomas gets back. I actually traded him in fantasy, though, by the way, David. So he's off of my books. So I don't need to worry about him too much. Uh, how, how big of a fan, though, is does this does this move move the needle for you? New Orleans Saints have struggled, kind of been up and down through most of the year. Do you think that a guy like Quan Alexander, when he gets back, is going to make a big impact for this team? Well, again, where the value right here is for the Niners is Fred Warner panned out faster than they thought. You know, as a rookie, he came in and really solidified his his role in that defense. So that forced 
um, Alexander out for the most part. Like you said, I think the winner in this trade is the is the San Francisco 49ers because they get the cap room. You know, they get the 8.6 off their their cap, even though they're going to eat nine, uh, 6.9. They get the 8.6 off their off their cap. And they get Kinko Alonzo. I mean, he's a good special teams guy, and they also got a conditional fifth round pick. So to me, the Niners got a really good value here. You know, clearing that debt, uh, getting a good special teamer, and a fifth round pick. I mean, geez, that that's a that's a nice little win win for them all the way across the board. And and again, the Saints, I, you know, I think they're grasping at straws here. This is a guy that that uh, has a high ankle sprain. He's not going to walk through the door tomorrow or whenever they clear COVID protocol to get there and make an impact on you. It's going to, it's going to take them two or three weeks to finish healing up from this high ankle sprain. And at that point, you know, if you haven't won these games without them, what position are you going to be in? So I'm just not sure if this makes sense for the saints, if this was the right guy for the saints to go invest in because they gave up a lot to, to go get them in my opinion. Well, and we, we saw another team that is potentially making a run here. The only undefeated team left in the NFL, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, had an injury to Devin Bush a few weeks ago. Uh, Robert Spillane inside, Vince Williams have done a good job, you know, filling that void. But they go out and they get Avery Williamson from the uh, from the New York Jets for just a 2022 seventh-round pick and a 2022 fifth-round pick. Uh, Joe Douglas uh, trying to, you know, it looks like, Unloading some some uh, some veterans there, trying to clear it out, hopefully for a long term rebuild. But for me, David, like this, the Steelers, that's a home run. That's a home run trade right there. You're not giving up a ton of draft capital. You're getting a very solid football player in Avery Williamson to pair now with Vince Williams and Robert Splane inside. I feel like those three guys, that depth inside, is going to be good enough with the absence of Devin Bush now moving forward. Well, when I, again, I, I love what Joe Douglas is doing in, in, at the Jets. You know, when I was talking about their sellers, he's a seller. He's like, you know what? He started selling before the season. He sold the, the safety to Seattle. You know, he's selling people. I do think it's funny that like Adam Geese came out, Gase came out a couple of days ago saying Avery Williamson is not going to be traded. Well, yeah, that's true until he's traded and now he's traded. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, uh, but I, again, I like what Joe's doing. He, he understood he didn't have a contender there. He knew they were pretenders. He won't go out, get as much draft capital, not only this year, but next year, because he knows it's not a one year remodel. This is a two to three year rebuild, you know, ground up rebuild. So as much draft capital as you can get over the next two years, collect it as much as possible and then move forward with your picks, some cap room. And uh, again, I love what Joe's doing there. But like you said, the the instant winner, the instant coffee winner here is the Steelers. They had a gap that they, they needed to fill, and they went out and they got it and they filled it. And this is a and this is a situation where the Steelers are going to be impacted immediately with Avery Williamson. So yeah, it's definitely a win for both teams here. That's that's always my favorite is when uh, teams you know come out and say we're not trading a guy we're not trading him and then like a day later <laughs> they end up trading him. Right. I, I guess it's just you know you're trying to keep your hands you know you're you're not trying to get it out there that he's fully off on the market type of thing. Like I got to think that there's some you know they're they're playing the game a little bit to make sure that his trade value doesn't diminish before it happens. I would think. 
Yeah, and and I get the game and stuff. I, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you know, any roster is open for business. You know, you come throwing first round picks, second round picks. People are gonna be like, oh, okay, all right, because you see, you see, even in the first trade we talked about, this is a guy who was an All Pro, uh, Pro Bowler in eighteen, and we're sitting in twenty, and now he's going for a six round pick. So every year, you know that you you slide down uh, those picks, you know, they, they go down round. So and this is a guy two years ago, if someone would have traded for him, he might've got a third round pick for him. Right. But now he's a six round pick. So again, you gotta, you gotta, I, I don't know. For me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, you know, these, these draft, these draft picks are going up and up in value. So it's going to be harder and harder to get the high ones at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yep, and again, we're going live here, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Welcoming you all in if you're just popping in here. Talking some of the trade deadline moves of the day. Happy uh, Election Day to everybody out there. Hope everyone's staying safe. We have Carlos Dunlap. The Seattle Seahawks pass rush has been abysmal this season. has been awful. Pass defense in general. They tried to make an upgrade a couple days ago. Getting uh, Cincinnati defensive end Carlos Dunlap, who has been a, a very solid football player for a long time for the Bengals. Get him for B.J. Finney, offensive lineman, interior guy, plays a lot of center. Um, it's kind of been a backup for them this, this year. And a seventh-round pick in 2021. Uh, Seattle was desperate for pass rushing going into this, David. I, I'm looking at this move, and I'm like, Dunlap's an upgrade. Absolutely, right? Like, the Seattle Seahawks defensive ends are bad and they're not generating any pressure. Uh, just is it enough though? I don't think it's enough. Like I'm looking at this and he's been a good football player, but I feel like we're imagining Carlos Dunlap more as what he was and not as much as what he is at the moment. I am with you hundred percent. I And again, I don't think it's enough. I think they should have gotten another pass rusher, maybe an interior guy, a three technique or something to come in and be a good pass rusher. I think Dunlap has seen his best days. Adding him to the defense, yes, it's it's an upgrade. It's somebody that's going to help them out. Is there other players out there that possibly could have been instant coffee that comes in and just is ready to just hit nitrous and go? And you know, when they start healing up, when the on the secondary and stuff would have just been the difference come playoff time. I think there were, and I think we'll get into those a little bit later about who was you know being rumored to being. Um, traded and stuff that could have came in and helped them out. And, you know, I just don't know if John Schneider and them made a a deep enough run at this free agent board right now. I think they might've stayed home and too, too true to their, their natural we'll draft guys. We'll build through the draft type mentality. When you got that offense cooking, like they're cooking, you you need to add some, some special uh, grease here to the defense. And I don't think they did enough today to contend with, you know, guys, Guy, not only in their their conference, but in their division. I mean, again, Cardinals came back on them the other day. They they beat them uh, when they because of the injuries on defense, not because of the, uh, Russ wasn't cooking. It's was because of the injuries on defense, and there was no pass rush containing, you know, Rick's guy over here, Kyler, and and uh, and so for me, I just look at it. and I'm like, I really would have wished or liked to see John and the team there push a little bit more, get another interior defense alignment or a young, even one trick podium pass rusher to come off the edge and help get pressure on the quarterbacks so they could solidify that that division, that conference for them. 
And NFC West has been the strongest division so far, you know, in, in uh, this season. We have three teams with five plus wins already. Arizona Cardinals are trying to keep pace with those Seattle Seahawks. They, they tried to bolster their defensive end room, their pass rush a little bit as well. They got Marcus Golden last week from the New York Giants. A little bit of an underrated piece. He's not a, as big a name guy, but he's been pretty productive. They only gave up a six-round pick to bring him on. Obviously, Chandler Jones going out a couple weeks ago, right? Like that was the big, big loss for the Arizona Cardinals. Marcus Golden, solid football player. I think he's going to add a little something to him. Do you think, though, does that move does that move the needle for you enough to say that the Cardinals may be a legitimate contender to taking this division from the Seattle Seahawks when all is said and done? You know, again, if the Seahawks would have got Golden and Dunlap, I would have been excited. I would have been like, okay, here we go. We got... You got two guys that, like you said, are solid players, solid pros coming up there and being getting after the quarterback. I like this move for the Cardinals. I think this helps them out a lot. Like you said, they lost Chandler Jones. They needed a guy. Marcus Golden is a guy that not he's not a household name, but he's a very solid production guy. He's, from what I understand, a good locker room guy. You know, he again, here's the Giants. They're sellers today. They collected a six round pick. And now you got, you know, you got more draft capital for Gettleman and the Giants. And for the Cardinals, you you filled a spot with a very solid, good football player. Yeah, and, and I, I think another I mean, we we saw if anything on this on this this trade deadline over the last you know few days is teams are very desperate for pass rush. And we saw another team speaking about the Ravens who have struggled a little bit in the pass rush department as well, generating outside pressure. They have Calais Campbell, who's an excellent football player. Matt Judon has been very hit or miss as an as the uh, three four outside linebacker for them. They're bringing in Yannick Ngakwe from the Minnesota Vikings, traded to the Ravens for a third round pick in twenty twenty one and a two thousand twenty two fifth round pick. This is a bizarre one, David, because we saw Yannick. But, you know, really unhappy there in Jacksonville. Eventually got his wishes, was traded to the Minnesota Vikings. I thought the Vikings were going to be, I don't want to call them a contender, but I thought they were going to be a very solid football team going into the year. I thought they were going to contend potentially for a, a, a playoff spot. Obviously, that did not work out. And Minnesota said, hey, we're not going to be able to sign you long term, so we're going to trade you for what we can get. Very odd how that kind of unfolded here. Do you think there's any clear-cut winner on either side of the of the token here between the Vikings and the Ravens? Is is there because I mean, again, Minnesota, if you're not going to re-sign a guy long term, I don't fault you for trading a player for what you can get. But then again, we're talking about one of the more talented pa- true pass rushers in the NFL. So for that, I, I would have to think that the Ravens have to be a winner here, right? Well, again, I thought, as you did with the Vikings, they were going to be more than what we've seen so far this year. I really was getting excited about them in preseason. When they when they traded for this guy, I was like, oh, here we go. They're adding him with Daniel Hunter, and they're going to have some great bookends. And Daniel got hurt. Their seasons kind of went to trash. Um, you know, they showed a little life last week. Don't get me wrong against uh, Green Bay, but it's not the, the the season that they were hoping to have. So, you know, getting rid of this guy, I think they it's almost like a sign of folding the tents here 
which I'm a little surprised with. I thought they would take him into next year, maybe get him a contract, and then Daniel Hunter and move forward. But, you know, obviously they're not going to do that. The Ravens, this is nitrous to their pass rush. This is somebody that can step in in that defense and cause some havoc and help them contend with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, even in the AFC, you know, try to solidify getting to the next level there. So for me, I think, you know, this is another guy from the Vikings that you would have thought Seattle would have tried to go after. Now, Seattle probably wasn't giving up the third and the fifth because they just gave up so much for the safety to the Jets. So that's probably where they probably they lost out. But that all being said, you got to think about how this is going to add the Raven to the Ravens and uh, put the Ravens forward in the playoff scenario. That all being said, I'm going to take on the giant or the Cowboys here. Now the lot, well, you know what, what motivated the lions to trade for Everson, Everson Griffin from the Cowboys. I'm not really sure why the lions made this move. This is a team that's been rumored to be remodeling with the coach and GM after the season and then they make the trade to the for for the Cowboys uh, to get Everson Everson Griffin in, you know the the it makes sense for the Cowboys because the Cowboys continue to grow cap space for next year and make significant moves, uh, so they can make some significant moves for the upcoming year in the twenty twenty one season. I think I think McCarthy's very much on the on the hot seat. I don't know if he's going to be able to survive this uh, this season there. I know Dat went out, and that was a big, a big hit. And the offensive line had a lot of significant hits. But even before he tried to, even before the injuries, McCarthy's offense and stuff wasn't looking sweet. So, you know, Jerry Jones might not like the egg on his face after the season. And we know a lot of different teams are are rumored to make moves. And here at the halfway point, it could be interesting to see what really folds and transpires. But McCarthy could be a one and done in Big D. He's a guy that uh, didn't have a real impressive record coming out of Green Bay in the last couple of years of his career there. And now he's struggling to make things happen there in, in Dallas. So Jerry's been patient with Jason Garrett, but I don't know if he's going to be really patient with, uh, with Mike, uh, over here in, uh, Big D at this point. And for the, and for the, for the Lions, this doesn't make sense to me. Even if you're, you know, you're on the hot seat, the coach and GM knows on the hot seat. Is a guy like Griffin really going to make the difference on your defense to help you guys push past? I mean, they have so many different leaky holes on this roster. I don't think Griffin really fills a significant role to make it happen for them there. So, you know, when you're looking at this, this trade, it makes more sense for Dallas to me than it does for the Lions. And for the Lions to make this trade, I think it was really just a, a non, non, you know, non really factor trade. I don't get it. I just don't understand this one too well right now. Now here's, here's one that again, if you're trying to sell and sell, but here's one that I don't think the Cowboys could pass up. The Cowboys traded the two, a 2022 seventh round pick to get a D tackle from the Texans, Eli and cool. And I totally butchered that. I'm sure. A-K or A-N-K-O-U. But this makes sense. They're having trouble interior. He's a young player. They want to go get a guy. It's only cost him a seventh round pick, not in 2021, but in 2022. I think that's a value trade for the for the Cowboys that they couldn't pass up. 
So therefore, this one makes a lot of sense for the, you know, again, for the Texans are operating without a real general manager right now. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody there in their football operations office. But, you know, if you had a young player like this and the best you can do is 2022 20, seventh round pick, maybe you want to hold on to him. Maybe he becomes more valuable in the offseason. Holding that, holding that player for a pick down the line, you might have gotten a six rounder in 2021. And done something after the season, made something happen, you know, once a calendar year folds over. So, you know, for me, I don't know if the Texans really got much here. I don't understand the move for the Texans, but for the Cowboys, I I think they just got a value that they just couldn't pass up. I mean, seventh round pick in 2022 for a young defensive interior lineman. That's a great value for the the Cowboys here uh, at the trade deadline. The next one we got the Titans are moving for uh are moving on from free agent mistakes involving, you know, Vic Beasley that will be, you know, you know, will be released on Wednesday. So, here's a guy that they they went and made a big investment in 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 Vic. They they thought they had a guy for the future, but lo and behold, they don't have they, they don't they didn't like it. He didn't pan out. So after they tried to trade him, trade deadline came and went, and the next thing you know, they're they're going to have to release him tomorrow, and he's going to be looking for work out on the street, and we'll see where he lands, what happens with him. Um, you know, if there are some teams that were interested, but Tennessee just didn't get the price tag for him that they wanted, or maybe there was no teams that were interested because his contract wasn't favorable to the caps and how their caps are sitting right now. So the teams that might have been interested just couldn't afford him. That all being said, you got Tennessee getting rid of a key free agent pickup on Wednesday. So does that make sense? I guess it makes sense to clear some cap. And again, like I said, Jay Rob over there does a really good job managing his cap, managing his roster. So this, you know, this might be a player who was dis- disgruntled and wanted to get out. So I can see this making sense for culture in Tennessee and financials down the line for Tennessee. Will Fuller was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a trade. Uh, The Packers seemed to be at odds trying to figure out if they were going to trade for him or not. I mean, Will Fuller was in the trade bucket, and he thought he was in the queue to go. They thought he was going to be pulled really quick and sent to the Packers. And then from what I understand and what the rumors are out on the street is that the Packers at the highest levels were – were in conflict over if they should give up draft picks and the compensation it was going to take to get him away from the Texans in order to make that impact right now on their roster. At the end of the day, they chose not to pull the trigger, but I know Fuller, he was, he was chomping at the bit to get out of, out of Texas, get up to green Bay, play with play within that offense that they have up there and bring, uh, bring some more value to the Packers. Will Fuller, you know, when he's healthy, he's a great stretch of field guy. He's got some incredible talent, some acrobatic catches when he was in college. Uh, he's this guy who can't stay out of the tub. And I think that ultimately might have been a reason why they didn't pull the trigger. They were worried about bringing him in and giving up a potential second rounder or something for him and then him getting hurt and then not having that second rounder next year. So basically getting bumpkins for him. 
and they would still have to pick up his fifth-year option money. So that's another angle here as we talk the business of football. The overall cap hit would have increased for them. So Will Fuller's trade absolutely got nixed here at the uh, trade deadline. Last last uh, acquisition we wanted to talk about for the trade deadline, a rare interdivision trade here from the Dolphins to the New England Patriots Wide receiver Isaiah Ford was traded to the Dolphins, uh, from the Dolphins to the Patriots, I should say. The uh, If anybody's seen the Patriots offense over the last few weeks, it's been pretty bad. Um, talk about Cam Newton, talk about the weapons they have there, Julian Edelman and these running backs and tight ends. and just, Nothing's working really good, uh, really well, I should say, in New England. David, I, I mean, I saw this move, man. I was expecting a little movement from the New England Patriots trying to get some semblance of pass receiver, you know, just playmaker in general. Isaiah Ford, I have to, I have to tell you, because I actually liked Isaiah when he was coming out of Virginia Tech a little bit. This one did not do it for me. I was, I was looking at this, I just like, okay, the uh, the Miami Dolphins just traded a, their fourth wide receiver to the New England Patriots. Is, is that supposed to do something for me? Um, New England Patriots are in trouble. I, I think this might be even a better conversation to have here in a second, but New England Patriots are in trouble. Isaiah Ford, do you have any expectations for this? Is this just kind of a poke in the dark? Well, I don't know why you're trading within the division. If you're the, if you're the, you know, uh, and again, I'm just a very competitive individual. And if I'm the Dolphins, I don't know why I'm trading inside the division to help a team that's down right now and help them come back. I mean, you just traded, you just changed out your quarterback. And so it's not like you're, you know, you, your team rallied late and everything around them, but to trade inside the division and give them a weapon, uh, I mean, I don't care at any level. I wouldn't be helping my division halfway through the year, you know, and in the off season, I'd listen, but you know, maybe this is tipping my hat too much if I ever do climb the ladder up to the decision maker. But I'll tell you this, if I was in that chair, if I was Chris Greer, I would not be trading inside the division at all during the season. You know, outside the season, you can make some moves and do some things and recover from it. But during the year, I just, that's just a move that I wouldn't do. I'd always stay back. And if I couldn't trade them outside the division, I just wouldn't be trading them now. And that only, only exception is if I was so far out of the playoff run and you know what? I could get a good trade capital for them then I would entertain it. I still would have a hard time swallowing that pill because it's in the division and helping my division rivals out. And I, the one thing I want to talk about real quick, and this is, this is, I think this is a brilliant conversation. Ready? So New England Patriots, I, I think it's brilliant for, for so many years. And I've had this conversation with so many folks. There is a debate whether rather right. This, this myth, mythical, maybe not mythical, that might not be the right word. This, this great system that Bill Belichick employs, that any player that he takes into his system could magically run it. And there was this, this notion that Tom Brady just wasn't that good of a football player, that he was just along for the ride. This made him what Tom Brady was. And now we're looking, and Tom Brady's replaced by Cam Newton, and now all of a sudden the tires have fallen off of this train. I don't even know if that, that that's not how that works. These tires have fallen off of this car. And I'm looking at this now and I'm thinking 44, 55 and one was the record of Bill Belichick before Tom Brady took over 
in New England. And now they're sitting, what, two and five? I think that's the record right now. They are pretty lousy right now. Well, pump your brakes, Young Buck. I'm just saying, man. Pump your brakes, Young Buck. Don't be talking about the GOAT this way. Um, but listen, here's the deal. He had like, I believe it was nine players opt out on him on, on, on the team. And he lost Tom Brady and Gronk, you know, wasn't around again. So it's not like it was Tom Brady is the only piece to the cog here or to the machine. The only cog gone that, you know, is gone. He lost a lot of players right now and I'm not making excuses for him. But I'm also not going to crucify I hear, a guy. I hear, that. I, hear a, I hear a lot of excuses right now. Personally, I don't know. It might be it ain't ex- I don't know. You know, in a cap era, you can't pay everybody, and when you lose all those players opting out with COVID and uh, all those things going on, you, you can't. You can't just say this is one reason. What I'm saying is, you can't say you took the chess piece of Tom Brady off the board, and now that's why the game got got messed up. No, I mean, if he had that, if it was a full non-COVID year and everybody was playing that defense would be nasty and he you know what the turnovers and everything would come in would they would they be you know undefeated no they're not going to be undefeated you know but are they going to be two and five definitely not they're going to have they would have at least three more victories would probably be five and two everybody be like okay great now after being with cam for a couple years down in carolina I know Cam's shoulder is not the best, and it's not good. And you can see it in his footwork. And when he throws the ball, his balls are not on pace. They're not on on track. They're not the best receiver-friendly balls. People are having to correct their their routes or adjust to catch the balls. So Cam needs to work on his footwork. You know, I'd said it years ago when I was in Carolina. No, it fell on deaf ears. But if Cam would train with boxers in the off season. And he would learn how to set his feet when he'd throw. It would be a better Cam Newton product on the field for time to come. Because you know, right now he's still trying to be that arm thrower that he had been in all his life. His shoulder's not what it was. If he really wants to extend his career, Cam needs to learn how to use his feet like boxers use their feet. Stay light on his feet. And then when it's time to throw, set those feet and throw. Muhammad Ali said it best. Float like a butterfly, but when it's time to throw that punch, you sting like a bee. And David, when you say that, that it fell on deaf ears, was that like a conversation between coaches? Was that just talking to a general manager, owner? Like, who are you talking to in, in that sense? That was a it was a scouts conversation with you know the room was full of you know people, but the coaches weren't in the room, and I I got pulled aside later and. One of the veteran scouts who I respect a lot pulled me aside. I was like, you know what? Cam does love Muhammad Ali. That would actually, he'd probably buy into it if, if they had the nerve to tell him. And I just don't think anybody ever told him. And again, here's the thing. You got a young quarterback like Cam and why not pay money Mayweather or whatever, a million dollars to work with him for a month? You know what I mean? It's like fly him out to Vegas and let him work with money Mayweather for a month on his footwork. Watch him come back later and boom, here we go. Um, you know, the guy will be upfield with his ability to run and do things. What do I know? I'm just a silly scout that's done it 18 years and been in a lot of places and seen a lot of failure. But I can tell you this, if Cam Newton did that, Cam Newton would be back next year in, in a way that people have never seen him. 
I, I like it. Boxing therapy for quarterback play. I love it. Uh, last question, because I, I feel like we can talk about the, the New England Patriots and what's happening with their uh, with their organization right now. Cam Newton's had his struggles this year. Um, we talked about you know the the lack of skill position players. Offensive line's been up and down a little bit. Just the team in general has been pretty up and down. He's only signed through this season. You think Cam Newton's back with the New England Patriots next year? Do you think that the Patriots potentially take on another route and try to find their potential future and franchise signal caller? No, I don't think Cam Newton's back with the New England Patriots next year. And I don't know the way he's playing right now where he is. I mean, New England only signed him because he cost $5 million this year, which is like the lowest paying uh, guy that with his credential, his resume. If he would have asked for seven and a half, he probably wouldn't have got it. So, you know, for me, I don't think Cam Newton's would back with New England next year. I think Cam's looking for a job, and he's going to have to show some some people that he can throw the ball and be more accurate um, before he gets gets employed next year. Mm-hmm. And we want to move into some pickums before the week. Before we do, we appreciate you tuning into Math Sports Take tonight. What would you? What would you be able to accomplish if you were to attract your ideal client, next opportunity, or your ideal positions? Maverick Sports Consulting can coach you up how to use your social media to attract your ideal client if you're an agent, your next opportunity if you're an athlete, or the ideal position if you're a coach. Do you have a self-branding strategy? Are you all your efforts, are you all your efforts aligned to accomplish that strategy? Don't be intimidated. You can accomplish everything. You're setting up to, you just need a little coaching and Maverick Sports Consulting is your expert coach to get you to your goals. Check out maverickSportsConsulting.com for further details on services. Moving in to some of the pickums, David, I haven't been keeping track of this, but I think I've been kicking your butt, to be honest, man. Like, I, I feel like I've been picking pretty well. I think you've been picking okay, but I would say if we were keeping toll right now that I would definitely be ahead, in my opinion. I mean, I, I would. I'm sure, would in your opinion, in, in in Ryan's world, you might be accurate, but I can tell you this: you're wrong. So <sighs> you know, we should. It's we simple should, and easy. We should go back on episodes and actually keep tally and see who's winning. If if any of our our listeners out there, anybody live that's still with us, wants to go back and then actually take take command of that for us, we would be very appreciative because I would love to know how badly I'm beating David Turner. 18 years in the business. He's seen everything. He's been everywhere. He can't handle this baby. I just, I want to know. So if anybody could do really? this, I would love it so much. You have, you have, you know what? I would love to know those numbers too, because you, it, it's been a while since I had a grown man cry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop, David. Stop. Let, let, let's, uh, all right. You know what though? I'm going to keep tabs for the rest of the season starting right now. Okay. That is my promise to you. Starting with our first pick of the night, we're talking NFL football to begin, my friends. Green Bay Packers coming off a loss, five-point favorites after their loss to the Minnesota Vikings this past week. A little bit of an upset. The San Francisco 49ers is the team they're facing. Over, under, set on 50. I'm going to let you start here since you think you're kicking my butt. You're going to make me cry, all that good stuff. What's your feeling in this game? Well, the Green Bay Packers, if Aaron Jones doesn't play, they're running back, right? And all they got is Tyler Irvin and the guy on the practice squad. I think this is going to be a very uh, pass passing game, right? It's going to be all about 
if Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball and sling it around the field and and uh, make things happen. And I think that's a lot on Aaron for for this kind of game because San Francisco is probably going to be a little wet. It's going to be a little damp. And uh, that field, as we know down there, is not the best. So, you know, we've seen a lot of – a lot of receivers slip in and out of their, their cuts and stuff. So when it gets to this time of year in San Francisco. So for me, you know, though Jimmy uh, Jimmy G isn't isn't tearing up the field and stuff, I'm going to pick the Niners. I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take the Niners. I'm going to take the under because I don't think we get to 50. I think this is going to be a game where it's under 50. And I say that hesitantly because it could get to 53 or 54. But I'm going to go with an under, and I'm going to go with the Niners and take the points just because I don't see the the running back situation being very favorable for Green Bay Packers going into this game. David, I, I don't want to burst your bubble here, but are you aware that Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are both not playing in this football game? Well, no, I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that news, but I'll stick with my pick, you know, the right. because – I think I think it's gonna the defense for the Niners is gonna is gonna help them win this game. Okay, well I think this is if I am trailing you in these game picks, I think this is one that I'm gonna make up on you right now. Green Bay Packers, give it to me. Covering the five, I'm going under though. I'm with you on the under. So Green Bay Packers cover that five points, and I will take the under on that fifty. Moving Baltimore three point favorites over the Indianapolis Colts. Over under set at 44 and a half. I guess I'll start this one out. Ah oh, man, I've been waiting for the Baltimore Ravens to have that breakout because they've they've been a little meh the last few games, you know? Like I they're coming off a loss. Steelers, uh, it, it ended up being a close game, but like Steelers defense was flying around. It, it was it, it was an impressive showing against the Baltimore Ravens, who I thought were, you know, potential contenders for the Super Bowl. But I'm going to take them this week because I think it's coming at some point. That team is too talented top to bottom to not eventually figure it out. So give me the Baltimore Ravens with the three, and I'll go over just slightly on that. So over and Baltimore with the points. And Indy's my pick for this, you know, coming out of their division. And I think this is a game that Indy needs to, to win. And to solidify, last week they scored 42 points, and they were like, "This is what we, this is what I was expecting to see out of Andy." Hopefully, that was them turning the corner in the second half of the season. They're going to play like they should be playing the whole the whole dang year because they got a really talented defense. They got one of the best offensive linemen in the league. So for me, I'm taking Indy. I'm going to take the points, take Indy, and I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to go with the over because I. I'm going with the over because I think this is going to be like a 28 to, you know, 31 type game. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're on the same wavelength with the over. I just noticed on the next game, I actually put the, uh, the points in the wrong spot here for a second. I was like, wait, my, Miami's three and a half point favorites over the Arizona Cardinals, no chance. And I was completely wrong, obviously, put it in the wrong spot. So the Arizona Cardinals are three and a half point favorites over Miami, who have won three straight games. A very impressive defensive game this past week against the Los Angeles Rams. They four turnovers on the Rams. Uh, Miami also had a punt return for a touchdown. So two out of three of the phases were awesome. Miami's offense didn't do much that day, but they didn't really have to against the Rams. The Rams just were their worst enemies this past week. So Miami, are they going to be able to keep it going, David, 
or are the Arizona Cardinals a legitimate threat in the NFC West? Well, here's a game where, you know, I'm not a big Cardinals guy. I think they're, but I think they're better than most would, would have projected unless their name is Rick Saratella. You know, he was been on, he's been on them all year on preseason, everything. He really likes them and I get it. But for me, I think here, I got to pick Arizona. I got to take the points. I don't think Miami and Tua are going to come out to the desert and beat Arizona right now. I think they, you know, they play hard. They're strong contenders. They're up and coming team there uh, out, out in the AFC East. But Arizona's been balling out of control. They've been playing out of their head. And Kyler is a guy who I think is going to be more, give more fits than Jared Golf to the Miami, uh, Miami defense. So, you know, for me, I'm going to take Arizona, give up the points, and I'm going to go with the over because I think Arizona is going to score a bunch of points. So I'm completely different than you on this one. Ready? I'm going under to start because that that Miami defense, man, they're playing some good football over the last few weeks. That passing defense, specifically with Xavier Howard, is is pretty good. Um, they're they're doing some good stuff on the defensive side of the ball. It's not, it, you know, it, it's it's like that saying, right? Like fool me once, but Miami Dolphins are doing it week in and week out. So I don't think that they're a fool's gold there defensively. I think they have a, a, a solid nucleus. And to win his second game, didn't look incredibly sharp in his first. But I think that, you know, that second game, sometimes things click a little bit after you get your live bullets in the first one. So I'm going to go Miami, actually, in this game. I think Miami might win this game outright. But I'm going to take Miami because if you're giving me four and a half points, I'm going to pick a really close, low-scoring game here because I think that Miami is going to have – some trials and tribulations on offense to score consistently, but I also believe that the Miami defense is real and will be able to contend with Kyler and do enough to keep this at a low-scoring affair. And even if the Cardinals win, I think the Miami Dolphins keep it relatively close here. Well, how Seattle bottled up Kyler is they had Griffin spy him the whole game. So unless Miami has a linebacker or a safety that is athletic enough to spy him the whole game and that works in their system, I think it's going to be hard for them to contain him. He He's just too athletic. And I, I haven't watched enough Miami to say that they do or don't have that guy, but I, I've watched enough Kyler. If they're not spying him and keeping him contained and, let, you know, he's outside running around and throwing that ball downfield when he breaks the pocket – that that's going to be really tough. It stresses most defenses and this and the Miami defense, I think it would stress a lot. You know, who's having like a surprisingly good season for Miami, who was kind of looked at as like a very underwhelming bus type of player. You, you, you may have scouted him, David, because he's a, he's a West coast guy. He went to university of Utah. Eric Rowe is doing a very good job for them at strong safety. I don't know if you have any recollection of scouting him coming out, but they've got him into a role now Came out as a corner. It's kind of flexed between corner and safety. He's kind of that low zone defender, and I think that he might have some of those responsibilities this weekend. And again, that's that's the thing that worked for for Seattle when they were up against them a few weeks ago, and they were going into the last three minutes and thirty seconds with a ten point lead, and Griffin got hurt, and then the next thing you know, Kyler was able to run around. They didn't have anybody to cover him, and they created. They created more, uh, he created more problems and issues for him. So 
again, if that guy, you know, if Roe, I, I know Roe, like you said, he's a former corner, bigger guy. Now he's playing strong safety. He's plenty athletic enough. I don't know if he's fast enough because Kyler's a whole different lead level speed wise, but I think he's, you know, athletic enough. And if he can spy him and keep, keep him contained. And anytime that, you know, he starts to scramble around, just fire downhill and, and, you know, get pressure on him. That would that could prevent them from doing it, but I don't. I just don't see it. I got Arizona, like I said. I think this is going to be a game where Kyler goes off a little bit. A very interesting game. Arizona looks like they might be one of those future contenders. Miami Dolphins are playing better football than maybe people thought at this point. Really looking forward to that one. A game that maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were looking forward to a little too much because they had a real stinker. Last night, talking about Monday Night Football against New York Giants, came out with the victory, but it was not pretty. Had to come from behind, ended with the 25-22 victory over the New York Giants, the G-Men. And uh, I think they may have been looking forward to this game against New Orleans here. Tampa Bay comes into the game, five-and-a-half-point favorites. I I would love someone, and if you want to Google this for me, somebody out there, one one of our viewers... If you want to tell me when the last time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was favored in a game against the New Orleans Saints, I would love to know because it's been some time. I can guarantee that. So they're five and a half point favorites. Fifty-one and probably pre-Drew Brees. It may have been John Gruden era of Tampa Bay, maybe right? Like I don't know. I, I mean, probably not. It's probably been more recent than that. But like that does not happen too often. Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is real. I'll tell you that right now. I am not buying this five and a half points. I think if they win it, I think it's going to be a close football game because I don't think New Orleans, New Orleans is up and down without question. I think that the Saints are probably going to lose this game. I, I'm buying into Tampa Bay a little bit. I think Tampa Bay is a good team, but I don't know if New Orleans is so bad that they are not, that they are going to just get, you know, just trumped a little bit here against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's a close football game, so I'm going to take New Orleans to cover here. I think Tampa Bay probably wins, but I'm going to take New Orleans to cover. The over-under set of 51.5, that seems a little high to me. I I don't know why. It just seems a little high. So I'm going to go under, and I'm going to take New Orleans covering, but I think Tampa Bay probably wins this one. Yeah, I think Vegas has this over-under set right at the right level because I can see it being like a 51-point game. And so for me, I'm like, I like, you know what? This is this. I think Vegas nailed this this point spread here. It's going to be really hard to uh, to win here with the points and stuff. So, you know, for me, I'm looking at it, and I and I, I I'm a big buyer of the Tampa Bay defense. You know, I think Tampa Bay's defense is really stout, and they, you know, they had turnovers last night against uh, the Giants, which isn't the hardest thing to do, but. You know, they, they're a team that definitely can, can definitely, uh, get that defense rolling and get pressure after the quarterback. I think New Orleans, you know, they're going to have some trouble up front blocking these guys up. That's my thing. So for me, when I look at this, I'm going to take Tampa. I think Tampa is going to, and it's probably going to be an over game just because of the two quarterbacks and the, the way they're playing. So I'm going to go Tampa and the over. And I, you know, again, I don't know if New Orleans covers or not. I think it's going to be Tampa and over. I think Tampa probably wins by a touchdown here. Okay. All right. Well, we have a question in the chat. Was there an estimated time on Kyler's 40 yard dash going back to that Cardinals game? I know he didn't run. 
Um, David, I don't think I ever heard what a even estimated one was for him. I don't know, you know, through the pre-draft process, obviously he was kind of undecided for a bit on if it was going to be baseball, if it was going to be football. By my eye, I would say he's probably a mid 4-4 guy. Like that that just, in my opinion, is what he looks like. I think he's very quick, though. I think all the quick twitch, lower body explosive stuff would have been elite for the position. But, you know, obviously 4-4 something is very elite for the quarterback position as well. But that's just kind of when I'm looking at him. I have to imagine he's somewhere in that that range. Yeah, I, when Kyler was coming out, the estimated time on him was a 4-4-5 a to a 4-5-0. I think he's faster than that. You know, I think he's more of a four 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 or a four four zero to a four 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 type guy. Um, you know, he can separate from defenders chasing him. He definitely can stretch the field, and he's a, like you said, his quickness in, in close quarter to be elusive and make people miss uh, is just is just spe- it's just special. So, you know, he's probably got a faster play speed than he would have timed in a forty. But I think if they if he did get down in time of forty, he'd be a four four two, four 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 two type guy. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking in that same ballpark, give or take a couple couple hundredths of a second there. Um, I mean, you, you have to think it right. Like that dude is. I mean, we we, we watched him in Friday Night Scout School. What was that three weeks ago? And we we're just watching him just d- destroy angles. And usually, you refer to that as wide receivers, maybe a running back from time to time. But this dude is going through the sideline. He is absolutely obliterating angles. So I definitely believe it there. I would love to see – because we didn't get an official time on Lamar Jackson when he was coming out either. I would love to see what that time would have been. You have to think that it's probably in the same range. Where's the wide, where's the wide world of sports when you need, like, the dare, old school Daryl Green running running hundreds against people and, you know, let's go get Kyler right. and, uh, and Lamar in the offseason and let them run. Oh, man, those fastest man competition. I remember one of my first memories of those was Daryl Green. And he Daryl Green was probably almost 40 at that point still. And he was still just He's still smoking people. fools. He was still smoking them. Oh, man, the old guys used to rule that too, man, because he would smoke that. And then Larry Allen would be on the bench repping like 40-plus and winning the strongest man competition too. I'd be like, And where, Willie Rolfe used to wear win the incline bench all the time and – yeah, it was just it was crazy. They had that old man strength and the young bucks would come in and just not not understand it. Man, they, they they need to bring that stuff back. Do you remember when they used to have the long toss with the with the quarterbacks too? And they used to have the quarterback challenges. Like those were so fun, dude. Bring them back. That was, yeah. that was man. As a young man, I was watching that stuff all the time. I was I was addicted to it. I loved it. I loved the replays, even though I knew what was coming, I'd watch it again. You remember, do you remember when they used to do the flag football games with like the the um the retired guys? Like they'd just bring like Marino and Elway back and like they would just have like legends playing for them, like Atwater would be playing, like all those dudes. Oh yeah. I and mean, I remember when they did the poor Robert Edwards uh, blew his ACL and his knee out on the beach doing the flag football game in the beach. I was terrible. That, that young man was having a heck of a beginning to a career, and then all of a sudden he blew his knee out on the beach in Hawaii. You know, trying to have some fun. That was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, those, I'm just thinking about that now. Those, because I remember, who was it? Was it Warren Moon might have been in one of the ones I remember where he threw it like 75 yards or something like that. And then that was like an old Warren Moon, you know, on the Minnesota Vikings, right? His last couple of years. I remember Mark Bolger was in it. I don't know if it was that year or it was a couple years after that, but Bolger was in it with the Rams and he barely hit 50 yards. Like he put everything he had into it. 
And that thing barely went 50. It was just, oh man, those are memories right there. I wish we could go back to those. Um, fortunately, we have one segment left. We need to go to the college football side of everything. We have the return of Pac-12 and the MAC this week as well. So a lot of exciting times. Before we get to those um, those topics in in um, those topics in general, we want to start at some of the best games that we have this week. It's a it's a great slate of games, honestly, David. We have the game of the year so far: number one versus number four, Notre Dame and Clemson that we're going to be talking about in a second. But first game we want to talk about is the Miami Hurricanes. David's Miami Hurricanes. I feel like he defends them every time they're playing. Uh, they number Well, 11, you just hate on them every time they play. Man, hey, Catholics versus convicts, baby. I can't I can't support a hurricane. I'm sorry. We got number 11, Miami, going to play uh, NC State, who was a ranked team a couple weeks ago. They've kind of taken a, a turn for the worse with Devin Leary coming out their quarterback that was playing really well. Uh, so Miami's 10-point favorites over under a set of 59. Uh, David, you can't call me a hater this week because I'm taking Miami and I'm taking the over here. Miami Hurricane has a little bit of an explosion and takes out the NC State Wolfpack. You know, I like I like Miami to win the game, but the 10 points, I'm not sure if the, the Wolfpack's going to relinquish that many to them. I think the Wolfpack is going to it's going to put the teeth into the Hurricanes a little bit. So I'm going to take with the points North Carolina State. If it was a straight up win, pick them type thing, I'd be taking the Hurricanes still to win. But I think North Carolina is going to be under that 10 points, and I think it's going to be an under game. Man, you're you're just going against me. You're you're just you're trying to be. You're just trying to get under my skin. You're just going everything I say. You're just the opposite. That's what's happening right now. It's, it's, I, I can't help it if I'm just right and you're wrong all the time. <laughs> That's why this podcast is so great because we have one guy here that is always right, and we have one guy here that thinks he's right and it's great if you're on if oh wait let me point this way yep if you see me live right now you know exactly who's getting pointed at right now and why wouldn't you be coming with, with us live here we're definitely going to tally this up and next next segment you're going to be in a dunce cap i'm going to put a dunce cap on your teacher I, I mean i will if if someone does this for me and this is a promise i promise this right now if one of our listeners goes back and finds out our exact records I will wear a dunce cap on the next one if my if I am losing to you, David. I promise that right now that I will wear a dunce cap. I will make one because I obviously don't have one, but I will make one. I will take a picture. I will make it my profile picture. Somebody make this happen. Alec or anybody else that's listening, we have a few people that are still with us. Go back and find it. I, I will I will be more than happy for you, Mr. David Turner. If you are indeed beating me in the pickups this year, <laughs> that's a guaranteed bet. If anybody wants to see it, go tally it up for them. <laughs> go tally it up, baby. Speaking of risers, nobody was actually speaking of risers, but I didn't have a great transition there. So the BYU Cougars and uh, Zach Wilson, who everybody wants to talk about. Every time I do a mailbag section now, somebody has to ask me about Zach Wilson. That guy is just anybody, anybody wants to talk about. So we have. Zach Wilson and the BYU Cougars, number nine in the country, favored by three points against the Boise State Broncos, who are the number 21 team in the country, over under set at 60. Okay, this is the game for BYU. Is BYU a top 10 team? Probably not really. This is the game here, going against a legitimate team. Boise State is always a very solid, well-coached football team. 
BYU has not played anybody up to this caliber yet. So this is going to tell us a lot. Is Zach Wilson real? Is BYU real? And while I do think that BYU is a good football team, I think that that offensive line is very good. And Zach Wilson has done tremendous. The improvements he's made from 2019 to now are insane. But I am telling you right now, David, I'm taking Boise State in this game to win outright. I'm taking it to happen. I'm going over in this over-under because it's a college football game, so I'm always going to pick the over because those guys play zero defense most of the time. So I'm going to take the over. I'm taking Boise State in the upset here over number nine, BYU. And, you know, that's what's interesting here. BYU's defense has actually been playing really well. I think they have the number 13 rush defense or something in the country right now. They are doing really well. Tonga up front and uh, Kofusi playing strong safety rover type position are really two standouts on that defense. It'll be interesting to see if BYU's defense can hold up to the pressure that Boise State's about to bring to them. Like he says, they're bit their best team they're facing. Um, they're 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 always poised for this game. Boise State, this is a recruiting game. If Boise State wins this game, they can beat BYU and other you know other teams in recruiting. So Boise State, this is one they need to win in order to be win in recruiting. And if they upset the number nine team in BYU, that will definitely help their recruiting going into next year. So for me, I think Boise State is hyped up, ready to come in. I'm I'm with you. This quarterback at BYU, everybody's all hyped about. They, you know, you think he's the next Drew Brees or something. He's got to prove it to me in this game right here. If he's going to deliver this victory to him, I might be buying a little bit more than I than other you know as other people have already bought in. But you know, for me, I think Boise State takes this one. I think it's an over, and I think BYU comes out of it licking wounds. And man, I, I'm just. I'm really looking forward to this because I, I want to buy stock into the Zach Wilson kid because if he has that much of an improvement, that's awesome. I'd love to see it because there's a big question after Trevor Lawrence, after Justin Fields, after Trey Lance, those assumed top three, who's the fourth best quarterback? I've seen mock drafts this week that have him going top 20 overall, and I haven't gotten a great look at Zach Wilson yet. But this this is the type of game right here because there's some Boise State players that are going to play in the NFL. It's a good program. It's a good tradition. This is the best up to this point test that we will see of Zach Wilson probably until their bowl game, whoever they end up playing. So big game that I want to take a look at. Absolutely. Two games this year in college football, this week I should say, that are, that are featuring two top 10 teams. The first, a, a rivalry. One of the most fun ones you will find in college football. Number eight, Florida is taking on number five, Georgia. Georgia is three and a half point favorites. The over under is set on 52 and a half. I have to tell you, David, when I watched this game, when I saw this on the tab for tonight, I immediately knew what I was picking. Let me hear what you have to say before I drop this one on you. Before I drop this one on you, you know where I, I mean, this one's hard for me this year. You know, I'm a huge dogs guy. I love the Georgia, I love Georgia Bulldog football. I think it's one of the best programs we've ever seen in college football. But I'm a Trask guy and I'm a Pitts guy and I can't not go with my boys over there in Florida. You know, I think Georgia's defense, and this is again, like we were just talking about Wilson against Boise State. If Trask and Pitts really want to make this step and Tony want to make this step and say, Hey, we are a legit offense that can handle this kind of pressure. They have to do it against this Georgia Bulldog defense. 
This Bulldog defense is stacked. The Bulldog defense is loaded. You know, I, I think this is a, a defense they have to show up against and really separate themselves going forward if they're gonna if they're gonna make a, you know a, a Florida is gonna make a run at this right now. This is a game that they need to take away from Georgia. I, I'm gonna love this one's where I'm popping popcorn. I'm gonna sit and watch this game for sure because it's gonna be a fun one anyway around it. You wanna find me on Twitter this weekend, hit me up. I'll be watching this game. We can have a little Twitter back and forth on it because it is definitely gonna be a watch party here at the Turner household for this. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Florida. I'm gonna take Florida and I'm gonna take the under. Mm-hmm. So I watched this game and I'm like, Georgia, great defense, right? We're talking about those guys, Eric Stokes, Aziz Ojolari, Monty Rice, Richard LeCount. Richard LeCount is out for this game. And I want to send prayers out to him. He was in a motorcycle accident. Apparently he's going to be okay, but I don't think he's going to be available for a little bit of time here with the Georgia Bulldogs. Big shout out to senior safety Richard LeCount III, who was an excellent football player for the Georgia Bulldogs. I have been on record here, David. Stetson Bennett, the quarterback for Georgia, he ain't it, brother. He is not it. He is just not it. So I don't care that Georgia's favorite in this game. I'm taking the better quarterback. I'm taking Kyle Trask in this game in comparative comparison to Stetson Bennett. David's doing the Gator Chomp as we speak. I'm taking Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts. And I am also going to take the under, though. I'm going to take the under because I don't envision Georgia scoring a ton of points. I think they are incredibly limited. They just had a 14-3 victory over the Kentucky Wildcats. That offense is rough a little bit, man. They have dudes. They have dudes everywhere. They have Zamir White at running back. They have Kenny McIntosh as a backup running back. They have George Pickens, who didn't play this past week. They have Kyrus Jackson. There are dudes for that Georgia offense. They are hindered by the quarterback position right now. So give me Florida. Give me the under on that game. Bringing us to the most anticipated game for me this year, I will say that as a Notre Dame fan, I've locked on Irish podcast host as well. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish College Game Day is coming to South Bend, baby. We are working with the Notre Dame number four team in the country against the number one Clemson Tigers without Trevor Lawrence again, DJ Ugilele. I think I pronounced it somewhat right. If not, I'm sorry, folks. I had it perfect earlier on our podcast for, for Locked on Irish, but we'll talk about that another time. So DJ, true freshman, taking over for Trevor Lawrence in the second week now, going into South Bend. The five-and-a-half-point favorites is going to the away team, the Clemson Tigers. Over-under is set at 52. I guess I'll start this one, David, since I made you start the last one. This is not the fan just speaking to me, David. I swear, I promise you, that is not the fan just speaking to me. I'm telling you, I'm going to take Notre Dame here. And why I'm taking Notre Dame is because I think if if Clemson wins this game, I think it's a field goal game. I think this game is going to go down to the wire. I think that this is the perfect storm for Notre Dame to be competitive. If Trevor Lawrence is playing, I think I think Clemson probably wins pretty decidedly. But I think that Notre Dame is at worst going to keep it close, but I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win outright here. 52, I'm going to say it's going to be an ugly game. So I'm going to say it's under 52. Notre Dame's defense is legit. They can run the football. They need to they need to control the pace of this game. They need to 
win first down. They need to be in front of the chains, win first down on both sides of the football. Let your let your dudes, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, Kyle Hamilton, let those be the deciders in this game. Kyron Williams, hold on to the football. Ian Book, do enough. Do enough. I think that Notre Dame has advantages in the trenches. Notre Dame's offensive line top to bottom is the best in college football. All five of those guys are going to play in the NFL in some capacity. They can run the football. They need to control the line of scrimmage. They need to slow this game down. And I think that this is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. Will Notre Dame finally get over the hump? This has been what's been escaping them for a few years now. They've been a 10-plus win team. They've been a, a, a bowl game. They've been to the playoffs. They've accomplished a lot under Brian Kelly over the last few years. But we're not trying to just accomplish being a good program. This is Notre Dame we're talking about, one of the blue bloods. It is time for Brian Kelly to get over this hump and beat a nationally um, ranked team, highly nationally ranked team, in a big stage. It's time to pull the upset David taking down the Clemson Tigers this weekend. You know, again, this – I'm a Notre Dame guy. You know that. I'm with you on that. Fighting Irish all the way. I'm not a Kelly guy. He's not my favorite person. He's not my favorite coach. You know, he's a guy, like you said, he has a trouble getting over the hump of winning the big games. You know, when it's supposed to be, you know, Notre Dame's supposed to be loaded all over the place. You have all these NFL players constantly going up to the NFL, doing stuff in the NFL, and then they can't win the big game. And so, you know, I'm just not about that. And it eventually... It's got to come down to coaching because it ain't recruiting. Your recruiting's doing well. Your recruiting's getting you the players that are going up to the NFL and the NFL. And when they get to the NFL, they're having great careers. So at this point, it's got to be coaching. And you know, it's I'll go back and tell you a story really quick. I was uh, I was a Bledsoe scout for Carolina, and I had a D two coach telling me he had five NFL prospects for me to come in and look at. And I said, Coach, you only had five wins last year. So if you're telling me you had five NFL players that are potential NFL guys that could be drafted or at least signed as free agents, that means you should be fired. <laughs> and that phone line just went silent. And I was just like, I'm sorry, Coach, but, you know, you want me to come in and waste all my time and, and write these guys up. I was like, I'm going to tell you the truth that, if you got five NFL players at a D2 school in Kansas and you didn't win more than five games, your job should be vacant. Yep. You know? Yep. And that's the way I feel about Kelly. It's like you got all these NFL guys, but you're not you're not vying with Alabama every year for a national championship. Well, why are we paying you? So much money. You know? It's it's like, you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm no I don't want to get to the dance. I want to start winning them. I want to start getting them rings and them championships up there to the South Bend. And this guy has just proven he can't do it. He's been there long enough, I think nine years now, and he just can't do it. So, you know, that's my take on that. Now to the game. <laughs> if if Trevor Lawrence was in this game, I think Clemson would be, the you know, obviously a, a, a bigger favorite and everything. I, I personally, you know, I don't – I didn't see enough out of the freshman quarterback last week. To, to get excited about him. ATN out of the backfield showed he was special catching the ball. Clemson's defense to me is, is a good defense. They struggled a little bit last week, but in the end they were, they did enough. So, you know, for me, I think Notre Dame is going to win this game. They're going to ball control 
run the ball, pound the ball, and, and in the end they'll wind up winning. I think it will be an under because I don't think Clemson's going to score enough points to uh, to get it to the over. David, you agreed with me. I can't believe that just happened. It, it, see, you're not paying attention because I agreed with you on the <laughs> Boise State game too. Did you? Yeah, see, that's why we need an independent service to go back and, and, do, and do the collection of data because Ryan isn't paying attention to what the old man is dropping over here, which is nothing but knowledge, okay? I, I just have short-term memory loss, that's all. I, I think. Okay, Dory. <laughs> okay, yeah, really. A uh, couple of things we want to talk about real quick. Return, like I said, pac Twelve's coming back. Mac is coming back for the week. Pac-12, let's start here. Love to see the, the uh, out, action out west coming back here. USC is taking on Arizona State. This is the game that I'm looking forward to this week. If you all know me, you know that I am infa- infatuated. It's a weird word. I'm not going to use infatuated. I like the quarterback for USC a ton, Keaton Slovis. I think this kid's special. He's only a sophomore this year, so he's not draft eligible until 2022. We're going to get a little – a nice little opening week action in Pac-12 against him versus Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for Arizona State, who's another 2022 guy that a lot of people are excited about. So looking forward to that game, absolutely. Heaton Slovis, Jaden Daniels, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, early preview for the 2022 NFL Draft class. David, what's a game from the Pac-12 real quick that, you, that you're excited to watch this week in their openers? I'm with you on that one, but you know, the one, I mean, cause I'm right here in Arizona State. I'm right in Tempe's down the road and I, I'm excited to see this game. I always like the USC Arizona State game. It's a great game to go down to and uh, to be part of. I won't be there this weekend, obviously with COVID and everything, but it's a great game to be part of. I always love going to that game. The one I'm picking for us to be to watch though is UCLA Colorado. You know, I think that's going to be a really good competitive game. I think Colorado is favored by a few points. Or, uh, and, and again, I just think that's going to be a good competitive game. ESPN nightcap on Saturday night, and uh, it'll be fun to watch for sure. Yep. And we'll have to see if uh, Chip Kelly in year three can get it turned around there over at UCLA. So definitely want to keep an eye out for the Pac 12 action. It's nice to have all the Power Five conferences finally back in play here. And of course, Man, this is one of my favorite things during during uh, college football season, David. The, the Maction, right? Talking about a Wednesday night. Hey, some Mac football is going on. Baby. Yeah, exactly. Wednesday night, baby. That's it, man. And, and we, so we don't have to wait all the way till Thursday for for an NFL game. We can watch some football on Wednesday, and we're, we're starting, I think, tomorrow night. If I have my uh, my calendar yep. right here, November fourth, Mac is back, baby. The Mac is back on November fourth. Yep, can't wait for it. So, David, let me start with you here first before I give my game. What's what's a game that you're looking forward to with the Mac finally back into action here? Ball State, Miami of Ohio. It's a good one. Woo! Here we go. You talk Mac football. These are two story programs right in the heart of it and right in the thick of it, baby. I think these two guys, this two, uh, these two teams are going to battle it out tomorrow night. I think it's on uh, CBS Sports Network. And there's a Miami of Ohio is favored by two and a half points over under sitting at 55. This is going to be a close game. It's going to be a fun game. I think you're going to see a run heavy game and it's going to be fun to watch these guys get after each other. Old Mac football on Wednesday night, baby. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Miami, Ohio, I believe for the Mac championships, Mac champions 
last year. A good friend of the show, Danny Godlewski, actually opted back in, David. So he'll be playing center for Miami, Ohio tomorrow Oh, did he night. go back in? Did yeah, he go back in? He, he went back in, I heard. And so him and Tommy Doyle over there at left tackle will be anchoring for that offensive line there. Do you know who the quarterback is for Miami, Ohio, by the way? Here's a little trivia for you. Uh, I'm going to go with no, I do not. Okay. So you remember uh, Missouri great Blaine Gabbert, right? Brett Gabbert, little brother, is the quarterback for Miami, Ohio, going into his sophomore year. Had a pretty nice freshman year for them. I think he may have been off the freshman offensive player of the year in the MAC last year. So, just a little tidbit there for you. The game that isn't I'm Gabbert looking- backing up Tom Brady down there in uh, Tampa Bay? Who knows? Who knows? Is Blaine Gabbert in the NFL? <laughs> that that's news to me. I was eight years old when I found out that Blaine Gabbert was still in the league. Oh, that was like last night, David. That was like last night. I was watching the Giants game, and then Alfred Morris gets a carry. And, like, Twitter blew up. But I was like, oh, I didn't know Alfred Morris was on the team. Apparently, he was on the practice squad. He just got <laughs> called up. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert. I'm going to have to look that up now and see what Blaine's doing, man. Uh, last game that I am excited about, Buffalo versus Northern Illinois. I'll tell you why I'm excited about this one. Buffalo has a few guys as far as draft prospects that I am super excited about. One guy, Malcolm Kuntz, outside linebacker, defensive end. Where's he going to play in the next level? He plays in an even man front, plays defensive end, but I think he's going to be a 3-4 rush backer when all is said and done. Really talented, super explosive around the arc. Mr. Taylor Riggins, the other defensive end, is a good football player in his own right. Then on offense, they got this dude, Jarrett Patterson, at running back number 26, who was the offensive player of the year last year in the conference. Super talented running back. So want to take a look at the Buffalo Bills, uh, Buffalo Bulls. Sorry, Buffalo Bulls. <laughs> that's, that's, that's such a trip up, David, because we got the Buffalo Bills and we have the Buffalo Bulls. I, I don't think anybody's ever really talked too much about that. But, yes. And FYI, Blaine Gabbard is the backup to Tom Brady. Uh, well, hopefully he never has to step foot on the field. I will say that. For he Tampa feels Bay. the same way, yeah. Yes, yeah. Unless he's holding the football maybe for for point F. Is he their actual backup or is he on like the uh, – No, he is. He's, he, last night, if you watched the game, at the end when the Giants uh, got that touchdown, there was a scene where you they were focusing on Tom Brady and Gabbard sunk in his sunk in his seat next to him and blew out air and his lips were all vibrating and he's like oh here we go and then the giants missed a two-point conversion and it was like elation on the sidelines but no gabbard's body language was hilarious on that play dude i i think that that draft class right because i remember christian ponder from florida state was that draft class too um God, man, those middling quarterbacks that year. Is Christian Ponder still playing? Probably not. I would say probably not there. But, yeah. That, no, uh, I think his, wife, his wife's moving into the breadwinner of the family now. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so at this point. Uh, wrap it up here. Before we do, I um, want to send a quick shout-out to everybody who followed along with us live here. Uh, release date, as always, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday on any Provide a podcast provider that you use. We are on from Spotify to Stitcher to Apple Podcasts to anything and everything that you get your podcast on. Please drop a line. Let us know how you enjoyed the podcast for tonight. Friday night scout school this week, nine o'clock Eastern time. Again, taking a look at fullbacks, 
tight ends. David Turner, you did most of the heavy lifting in this podcast when my internet went out for about a good about 9, 10 minutes. So I'll give you the final word here tonight, my friend. What's on your mind heading into week, what is it, 10 of football this week? Nine of NFL? Uh, nine. Uh, I think it's so, nine, yeah. Yeah, so what's on your mind going into week nine of the NFL action and I guess week 10 of college football? Well, you know, I think this is a great matchup. We went through all these matchups and pickums this week. And if you really look at them, it's a great, great week for college football and pro football. It's a great week for football fans in general. And, you know, as a man who, who's made his living in sports for 18 years, this is, a, this is what it's all about is, is being able to sit around and have all these young men compete on a field together and show us the sportsmanship is is alive and you know that's the american dream really is to be able to compete and do these kind of things in a friendly manner doing it in a, inside the lines and the rules of of what's you know laid out inside a game so for me i'm just excited to to get back to normalcy a little bit i don't you know i'm still not a big proponent of playing because of the covid but it's it's fun to watch these young men compete it's fun to watch the games and be on a podcast with you talking about all this and in the midst of the, you know, all the voting action and results coming back tonight, you know, it's, it's fun to be reminded about America and the camaraderie that we have, no matter what our differences are, it's, it's still Americans, you know, and America together forging forward to whatever comes out of tonight, whatever comes out of our, the adversity that we're hit with, we'll, we'll be together and we'll stand together and move forward like we did after 9-11 and we did after so many other World War II, you know, uh, Vietnam, everything. We got together and we moved forward together. And that's what makes us special as a community and as a society and as a country. Absolutely. So, if, again, thank you all so much for following along. Be same place, same time next week, 8.30 Eastern Time, Tuesday night at Rise and Draft on Twitter. And we'll also be live on David's Facebook and on YouTube as well. So make sure to check us out again next week. Want to thank you again. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I'm at Rise and Draft on Twitter. David is at Mav underscore sport. Until next week, my friends, this is Mav Sports Take episode 13. Thank you all. God bless. MavericksSportsConsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 